Hello and welcome to the 71st episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Tonasha, by Candescent Games and Section Studios. Vilas, who are you and what do you do? Thanks, I'm a game developer. I started off as a programmer, and I've been working in uh, the game industry for about seven years now. Okay, so you, what is your formal title at Candescent, if you have one? I always like uh, my title. My title would be, you know, lead programmer, I guess, on on this game. I I basically run Candescent Games, um, and then Section Studios is a is an art house in Los Angeles that we work with that we co-develop the game with. Right, and you're based out of where? So I didn't catch that. Same. We're, we're also in Los Angeles. Okay. It's been a while since I've been there that way. I have been there. I've travelled, as Doug knows. Um, I was at PAX Prime. Were you there? Yeah, yeah, we were at Prime. Yeah, I did see your booth. I kept on going, I need to go back. Run out of time. Really sorry. <laughs> I was there. It was all... just a seat, right? It's too much. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, no, PAX, um, PAX is awesome. We love showing at PAX. Um, it's, I told people, like, do you like games? Yeah, you need to go to, need to, go to PAX. It's so far away. I said, just do it once. Just go <laughs> once. I don't care which one you go to. Just go once. And then you'll need, know why I, I, I like to go. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you want to be surrounded by everyone who loves the things you do as a gamer, PAX is the place. Everything as well. Not just video games. I love the fact you've got tabletop sitting right next to you. Like, what's that? Yeah. Like, playing yeah. some weird, they're demoing some weird tabletop game. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> so, and you had a good spot there as well. So, yeah, I did. I did notice you. You were had a good. Yeah, time. it was our first time. I think last year we were at, at Pax Prime. Last year we were on the sixth floor. Uh, this time we got to hang out on the fourth floor, and it was it was cool. It was a yeah. different vibe. Very different down there. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, you already hinted at it because a lot of developers do this when I interview them. They preempt my questions. It's almost as if. They're in my, <laughs> my office leaning over me. It's kind of weird. I think it's because you have to project what's going to happen in your programming and stuff. I don't know. But uh, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games as opposed to, you know, pen and paper board game stuff? Because I always say that because we sure. Spong talk about both. So I have to go, we talk about flashy, lighty stuff. <laughs> so how did yeah, you I, start? I, I guess I was, uh, you know, I grew up. Uh, playing a lot of PC games and I, I got into console gaming so I was a gamer mm-hmm. uh, I went to, I did my undergrad in computer science so I started you know, programming there and uh, after college I, I decided well, I, I, you know, after college it's kind of like things are up in the air you don't quite know what you want to do but I, I pursued, I applied to some game companies and I, I got into this uh, startup in Boston um, which was a video game um, startup, and it wasn't mainstream video games. They were doing something different, but um, I really loved it. You know, I I started as a technical artist, which is basically someone who like rigs and and manages um, kind of 
art assets, animation, you know, for characters and things like that. Um, and I just, I loved it and I didn't want to really do anything else. So yeah, I worked for a couple of companies before trying out the, the whole indie thing. Okay. So what, what, what draw you, drew you towards indie? Is it just your, the freedom of creation and that sort of thing? Were, were you making games on the side independently? Were you doing game jams? What, what was the, what was the story? Is it the same sort of thing? Yeah, I was, I was doing some, uh, games of my own on the side. Um, I guess one of, so all the past companies I've worked at have been, uh, startups and they've mostly been doing sort of non-mainstream games, you know, not, not the type of games that I would play on my Xbox or PC. And so I really wanted to try to build something like, you know, more of what I would, pl- what I would play. Right. Uh, so that was one big reason for me doing the indie thing. And then, you know, it, it is, it is nice to have that freedom to design something of your own with, uh, you know, with your team. And, um, and also now is, now is kind of a good time. Well, depending on your point of view, <laughs> now is a, a good time for indies, uh, to, in terms of like the barriers to getting on, you know, PlayStation or Xbox or Steam. It's lowered significantly to, yeah. from 10 years ago. I've, uh, try to explain this to people you do realize that the xbox 360 has been out for 10 years and they deny it they go this is not true you're lying even though it's a fact because they realize that they're they're aging and they don't want to be told that because they remember when they were running around the you know streets trying to find xbox 360s they couldn't find for love the money they remember that and now that's actually almost becoming a retro machine not quite but i think it's on its way and uh People just don't, aren't comfortable with that. You know, you talk to people about, yeah, the PS2 is a retro machine. Stop lying. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> and it's like, no. Uh, so, but I think no developer I've ever spoken to has resented the barrier of entry being lowered to a point where it is now. No one has actually said uh, this yeah. is a bad thing. In the ones it's, I've spoken to. It's really know, nice because, you know, as... Like, we're not a large company. We don't have, like, crazy ties with Sony or Microsoft or any of these companies. But at the same time, they're very approachable. Um, they've removed a lot of the money barriers to, you know, at yeah. least talking to them and getting registered with them. So it makes it a lot more plausible to to even attempt an indie game that you want to get on console. Yeah, as, a, as an example of the... Very eventually dropping. I just want to focus this a little bit more before we go on to the next question. Is the fact that this week's humble bundle at the time we're recording this show um, is they're releasing Game Creator or Game Maker for, yeah. for you know, ten well, well for as much as you want to pay really, and uh, with a bun and also bundling with it a bunch of games with their source code to say go on make some games then, and that's brilliant. This is like yeah. really. So, Yes, that's how, you know, um, Hotline Miami's made using that stuff. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> People don't know that. They're like, they made, they used it with that? Like, yeah, they made that game with just those tools, uh, which was... Yeah, it's, it's incredible, yeah, really. It is. And uh, it's such an enabler, and no longer do you need to know assembly to make video games, which is <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know this, you're chuckling, but it's true, because I know you went to college, university, but you know that. If you look back on the history, yeah. you needed to know not 
you know, libraries and, and, and uh, middleware, you need to know, well, there's that switch, <laughs> and then there's that other switch over there, and I have to make that switch to an on that switch, just at that time, more or less the same time, when that other switch is doing that. Because <laughs> 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 that's what I tell, you know, that's what computers are, ultimately, a series of switches upon switches upon switches upon switches. Yes. It's logic and math. That's logic and math. math. That's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. Um, but back well, in the day, you still you still need the logic and math, but you don't need to. I think I think the tools have gotten to a point where you don't necessarily need to be, uh, you know, a, a hardcore programmer. You don't no, need you to don't, know. Yeah, there was a phrase you. There was a phrase used way back before PC days, you know, the OBM PCs and the Apple II days and that sort of stuff. You know, those solid sort of machines that didn't have any add-ons to just what they were. You bought them and that was sure. it, like the Commodore 64 and stuff like that. And they called it hitting the hardware. You had to actually address memory ports and stuff in the hardware yeah. for it to do something. Well, do something amazing. You know, you could use a interpreter and basic and compiler but ultimately if you want to get the best speed and scrolling and moving sprites and without any flicker then you needed to hit the hardware and thankfully that that's gone now uh not that I'm saying it's not an important skill to have or and it's actually very advantageous because it makes you understand greater what the computer's trying to do but even still that, that that's what i was referring to that barrier of being yeah a, absolutely a, a, i mean modern game engines pretty much abstract most of that away from you. Um, well, you still might need to know a little bit of how it works under the hood, but you, for the most part, you're not dealing with that level of, um, you know, of programming. However, it's not gone away, is it? I mean, if you look at the, the more, the no, no, studios, I mean, it's, they're definitely, yeah. also the driver creates, the people who make the drivers, they're doing that. Oh yeah, no, th- those expertise are still around. I mean, you definitely need those if you're writing your own engine per se, or yeah. uh, or, or even just optimization. You yes. might need to, you know, uh, when you get on the consoles, especially on PC, it doesn't really matter too much because uh, most PCs now are pretty powerful, and uh, especially gamer PCs, you know, they, they tend to have good specs. So, but yeah. on consoles, you do have limited hardware, so you have to be very careful. You have to understand what the bottlenecks are. Yeah. So, enough of that. Let's ask about um, your influences as a creator. This is a very open-ended question, and it sounds like that's sure. a glib. Oh, where do you get your ideas from? It's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, what are the things that, what's the thing you find yourself drawn to over and over again that you're, you're, you are inspired by and then, then create from? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, so I kind of started off, uh, as a kid, I started off a uh, PC gamer. And I, I got heavily into the simulation side of things, which is now like a dead genre. It's like flight yeah. sims, you know, like military combat sims and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I sort of slowly transitioned to console, uh, you know, the, like the opposite of everyone, I guess. Um, but the Xbox was my first console and uh, followed by a PS2, <laughs> and then 360 was probably one of my favorite ones. It but was yeah, a glorious machine. It's got to be said. Let's take a moment. Oh, yeah. It did some yeah, amazing things. 360, I think, are still kind of, you know, up there in my mind. Even though it was broken. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, you know, my launch 360 lasted me for like six years. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not me. No, it got louder and louder and louder and then Virgil, <laughs> I, I need, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to die, aren't you? Yep, I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> I went through four of them. Yeah. Wow. See, I, I got so lucky with that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, the, the, the second one died when Halo 3 came out. The irony wasn't lost on me. Um, <laughs> And then the the the, the fourth uh, the third one died when uh, GTA 4 came out again. The irony <laughs> lost on me. Um, and then the, the fourth one is I still got right now. So, but he's not used as much these days. <laughs> That's mainly, it's mainly Xbox One or PS4 I'm using these days. Yes, yeah, I have all of them, but uh, I have to because it's just. Yeah, I mean- I got, you know, once I got to the Xbox 360 era, I started playing a lot of, like, Gears and Halos and, you know, a lot of the shooters. I'm also a big racing game uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving Forza 6 right now. It's a good, good game. Yeah, I need to. I need to. That looks really good. I've been playing a lot of Project Cars. Okay. Uh, I haven't got that one yet. I've been... Uh, too many sl- distractions, including Tenosha. I'm not saying that because you're on the show. Genuinely. <laughs> Because uh, I have a Steam box hooked up to my my piece, my television. In my oh, nice, yeah. And uh, highly recommended uh, if you've got bits and pieces like Manny Home of a computer, just knock something together. It's great. And you can play yeah. all your indie games on a glorious, massive television. And uh, <laughs> it's great. And uh, every now and again, I'll pop, um, I play some indie games on my big TV. Um, but I know you've got your own consoles as well. I understand that. Which great. You're on all of them, aren't you? Yeah, all of them. All of the things. So cool. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of have to try out everything, you know. So just to get to the knob of the question, then, what, what are the things you do influence by then? Um, yeah, I, I love I love games that have movement. You know, have like I like Twitch games a lot. I, I tend to lean towards Twitch gaming um, multiplayer. Um. Yeah, and even on Tenosha, I think when we when we first created the prototype, we were sort of like influenced by Halo. We had this prototype where you could blow up these grenades and launch things, kind of like you launched the Warthog in the air. Yes. You know, so it was all about explosives. I will never forget that when seeing that for the first time. <laughs> Lost my yeah. mind. Lost my mind. It, it was such a fun mechanic, even though it had nothing to do with the game. No, no. Uh, and yeah, we we actually when we built our prototype for Tenorsha, we were kind of influenced by that, and we were just playing around with explosives and shooting rockets at them. And then then we realized like, hey, you know, just rocket jumping around is a lot of fun. Um, and so we decided to make a platformer out of that. <laughs> Brilliant. So you again, you might be projecting again into my my office here and you're seeing questions I've got <laughs> so but I've got a more detailed question about that notion how it came from so I see your point then you're basically you're telling me that you're inspired by others work ultimately and that's brilliant oh, absolutely yeah that's, that's a great answer you know yeah I mean some of my favorite games are like uh, well the Halo series is definitely up there Gears also some of the PS2 classics like uh, Shadow of the Colossus or the God of War series Yes. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like action racing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I, my guilty pleasure is the Ridge Racer games. I know they're not racing games. You know they're not <laughs> racing games. Um, they're weird, like, puzzle games. <laughs> puzzle <laughs> arcade games. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I still still play them every now and again to this day. Um, they should bring those back. Anyway. Wipeout series. Wipeout's another good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wipeout. May it rest in peace. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, who do you most admire in an industry? Which who's the developer you think they're doing the right thing? I know it's a hard question to answer if you don't want to hurt. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I think there's a lot of different ones. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I guess, try to follow the mold of one developer. But you know, there's a lot of inspirations. I mean, from like a John Carmack or a, you know a Cliffy B or, um, yeah, there's a lot of inspiring people in the game industry, uh, which is part of what I love about it. You meet so many like different people from different backgrounds uh, yeah. who are creative. Very, they've got the engineering side, they've got the artist artistic side. Yeah, you get polymaths, a lot of polymaths, in order to succeed yeah. in the video game industry. Um, for those of you who don't know, a polymath is someone who knows a lot about, about knows about a lot of things uh, in a great in great detail. So the old axiom of sorry, you know, games are like a convergence of. Software design, music, art, art, you know, visual arts. Yes. Um, it's really great to see when it all comes together. Yeah, and you do see some people, one man sort of team, if you will, creating these extraordinary things. And uh, you go, how is that possible? Well, they're a polymath. They know Especially the indie sphere, yeah. You see a lot of indies who are very, very talented in both, you know, they can program, they can do art. And yes. And even music, music. Yeah. 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 Um we've had musicians come on the show and they said, Yeah, I made this game. Yeah, you're a musician. I know. <laughs> well, I made this game too. What? Uh and uh yeah, so they, they don't realise they focus on like one aspect, but it turns out they've made this amazing game too. But they, they say, yeah, Oh no, yeah. I'm a musician or I'm an artist and but I happen to have made this game. What? <laughs> you know <laughs> So it's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's something yeah. I love about the uh, sort of both the indie scene and the startup scene that I was part of before doing this. You know, you you get to wear a lot of hats. You're not. It's not a large team, so you're not super specialized. Yeah. Although you do have to, you know, deep dive into the details. Yes. But you get to try your hand at a bunch of different things and see what you like. Okay. So this is the last question of the first half. So well done. Um, this is the first <laughs> boss monster there is, there's two, there's the second one at the end of the second half um, so it's like a video game so well done, but this is my favourite question and it gives All me right. an insight into what makes you tick as a creator and what, what keeps you what possibly gives a hint about what you're going to be working on next it never normally is actually but I like to think <laughs> uh, the question is what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? I am playing insane amounts of Rocket League. <laughs> yes, what a game. Yeah, what a no. freaking game. When people it's saw that, when, when you just watch it, when someone describes it to you, like, that sounds like the worst game ever. <laughs> no offense to developers or anyone playing it, cause it is, but when you describe it, like, really? Driving around in a big car with pushing a big ball. There's something, it's amazing to just watch that game. It's like yes. watching a real sport, it which is, is incredible. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's something about, I mean, all the mechanics to me feel really, really well crafted, yeah. well thought out. Yeah. They all have a good balance. Well, every mechanic has a trade-off, which is great. 
So you, you kind of have to decide whether you want to use it or not. Best thing I would have done is releasing it on PlayStation Plus. Really, really, really good idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been playing it on my PS4 like crazy. Um, I, I'm also, I need to jump into um, the Taken King, because uh, I'm excited about that. What, sorry? Uh, the Destiny Taken King. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've got that too. Um, the, the problem is that when I play Destiny, in the back of my mind... I'm just anxious that I'll go the same way that I did with Diablo or maybe okay. Warcraft. And, yeah. you know, I say that about, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically those games, as great as they are on Borderlands and that sort of stuff, it is the quest for truth, justice, and better stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Not in that order either. <laughs> uh, and, um,. Yeah, I somehow I missed the Destiny bandwagon, so this was, this was going to be like me jumping into Destiny yeah. for the first time. It's it's a beautiful, glorious game. I have it on a PS4, and uh, I did get the expansion, but I got distracted by other shiny things and this show. <laughs> um, there's, and, there's a lot of shiny things in the game industry right now. It's extraordinary, extraordinary times. <laughs> uh, I just upgraded my iPad from an iPad One. Don't laugh. To, it was fine, it was working, it was nothing wrong with it. And then to the point where they just, the websites would crash on it. Okay, fine, I can't use it anymore. Uh, I just got a, an iPad Air 2 recently, that's a revelation. Um, all right. Now all the games I couldn't play on the iPad, now I can. And uh, yeah, that all Apple, you know, obsolescence thing. But <laughs> yeah, it, uh, so that's distracting me a bit, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, in a good way, in a very good way. So, yeah, we live in amazing, amazing times, and uh, long may it continue. Long may it continue. Anything else? I mean, any tabletop stuff? I'm assuming you played that. I don't know. I, just... uh, I never. Yeah, I was never huge into tabletop. I, it kind of faded away, I guess. Yeah. Um, I sort of. You appreciate yeah, I... what it is, though. But you know, it's. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, even gaming has its roots in in that. Uh, or, you know, computer gaming, video gaming. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of, I guess once I deep dive into, into the consoles, I just stopped yeah. doing everything. Yeah. yeah, I was like that, but then someone yeah. went to beat to some games and I played them, and then I find myself playing both sorts, so that's fine. Yeah. It's quite fun playing the, the digital versions of those games you're playing on tabletop as well as like how they oh yeah it is it is cool to play like you know like carcassonne or something uh, yeah. on the ipad or you know? yeah okay so that's the first half over well done see wasn't too hard all right and uh, <laughs> now in the second half where we get to the real meat of the show where we okay. talk about to
also known as the Zero Question. <laughs> yeah, you get you get a reference. Well done. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's not the first zero law. It's the first zero question. Um, tell us about Tenersha. So, at its core, Tenersha is a a platformer without a jump button. So, basically, instead of a jump button, we decided we wanted to create a new mechanic, a new way of moving. Uh, something that you hadn't done before and that, but still felt intuitive. And so we built a rocket jumping platformer, a uh, twin stick platformer, if you will. And, um, yeah, the way it works is you use either if you're on mouse and keyboard or whether you're, if you're using controller, you shoot rockets in any direction. Um, and you kind of shoot at your feet to rocket jump, just like Quake style or TF2 style rocket jumping. And it's all about the momentum of using, or it's all about the mechanics of using that mechanic, or blah, using that mechanic to get around the level and uh, using physics in clever ways. Brilliant! Couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> without without the re- repeating of mechanic. <laughs> yeah, you did say that a couple of times. But I thought, no, I was going to do the drinking game of how many times he's going to say mechanic, but. Uh, I'm sure you. I just wanted to give you a chance to pitch the game, so everyone listening now knows what we're talking about. Um, so this is my first proper question. So this is where it starts to get hard, and there is a boss at the end. So I'm sure you. Okay. Know. I am. Uh, yes, I'm sure you are. Um, and it is. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of the last question. So see how it goes. What on earth possessed you to make a game about a highly risk, highly risky and desperate maneuver? In Doom, <laughs> because you know, I remember playing Doom and realizing that one of the levels, in order to get across, you had to do a rocket jump. Now, this is, you know, something that Tom <laughs> Romero actually admitted to saying, "Yeah, you're supposed to do a rocket jump on this one. You don't have to, but you're supposed to." Um, <laughs> you know, why? What? 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 What point do you think this? This is not something you're supposed to do. It's something you do <laughs> as a definite measure to get out of someone's way or to get to someone. So why? Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of this, it's this mechanic that's, you know, on, on one hand it seems very uncontrollable, unpredictable. Yes. yes. Right? But once you, once you get the hang of it, though, it actually becomes, you become more nimble than if you were just running around. Yep. Because if you look at, like, you know, top players in Quake or TF2 or, you know, like rocket jumping actually lets you move around the map way faster than if you were just running. And and there's something cool about that, you know. So there, there's a level of mastery that's required and, and that's part of what we wanted to capture with the mechanic was trying to trying to get it so that, you know, there there's some unpredictability, but you can also master it to where you have more control than if you were just jumping. Yes. It's and so that's that's essentially what we wanted to try to do with the game. Is, is give you a mechanic that you you haven't done before, or you have in in a way you have done it before, but probably not in the setting and not you know the controls are slightly different. No, it's something you do like. He's up there. I'm down here. <laughs> <laughs> he's got high advantage. Yeah. Let's just. I know. I'll just shoot the ground. Don't be stupid. I'll be fine. No, <laughs> just take half your health off. You'll be fine. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's that's why I said it's a it was a drastic and desperate man- uh, maneuver, uh, yeah. a boneheaded one in my view. 
But uh, <laughs> the fact that you made a game out of that, celebrating the rocket jump, that's what I was immediately drawn to the game. It was like, really? Someone's done this? You know, <laughs> I, I, I might have joked about it with some friends like, oh yeah, what if they made a game that's just entirely about rocket jumping? Like, no! Stupid! You know, this is like you know, it's, no, it's funny. We we had I remember like at PAX, maybe it was this PAX or last PAX. We uh, I specifically heard someone walking by be like, "Oh, that's so silly!" Like they made a game about rocket jumping, but then they played it later on and they're like, "Oh, this is cool!" <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like don't quite expect it. I mean, it's it sort of when you look at it, you you know, it, it sort of fits the mold of the Meat Boy or something. Where you're like, "Oh, you're just kind of platforming." But the moment you pick up the controller, your your brain has to start to start to think, and you know you go into this mode of just like, oh, how do I you know figure this out? And yeah. it's it's really fun to watch. It's really fun to watch people pick up the controller, and they just go quiet for a while, and they yeah. just start you know shooting and trying to figure out what to do. And then once it clicks, then then it's like, oh, I can move really fast, and you know. Yeah, don't bother talking to me when playing Tenacious. Not doesn't it doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah, we've watched a lot of streams where uh, the streamer's talking, and then it's suddenly there's just like dead silence. Dead silence. Yeah, yeah, because they got to a boss or they got to some part of the level where they're just like so focused, yeah, that they just stop talking completely. They can't be witty. You know, the whole because streamers that that's their that's their living, their their personality. That's what they yeah, tell. Absolutely. You know? And that's why I know a lot of people get confused. Like, what's all these YouTubers? What's it about? Is it? They're like comedians. You yeah, know, they're, they're, they're like comedians. I mean, you know, some of the funniest comedians are horrible, horrible people. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Cosby. Um, and, um, you know, but, you know, they you, you they sell a persona. A per, you know, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I mean, you're watching because you truly enjoy this person. Yeah. And how they play video games. And there's some of the, the funny quips they make and just being witty. And yep. that's a talent. Not everyone can do it. You and I know this. Uh, and it's, you know, everyone has their own talent and own strengths. And that's that's how YouTubers work. It's, that's what they get. And so when you, for them to go on dead air, dead, <laughs> as for them, that's dead air. It is. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just, just like, you've made a game that forces <laughs> YouTubers to do, undo what they do. Like, I can't be witty right now. I can't be witty right now. I can't think of anything funny. I can't think of anything. Well, you'll, see them, you'll see them like, they'll start to say something and then stop mid-sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's just because immediately they're they're just so focused on what's coming up and they that, just, that they just like, you know, they couldn't focus on the stream. They can't read the chat. They're just no. <laughs> the screen. It, it's really, it's fun to watch. It's so funny because you've basically taken their power. Like, there you go. I've removed your. It's it's like kryptonite. The Tenersha <laughs> is kryptonite for YouTubers. Fantastic. Box quote. There it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, question number two. Again, you might have preempted. You're not in the room, are you? This is really weird. Um, you seem to pride yourself on the level of difficulty that exists within Tenersha. How have you found balancing that? against frustration that was probably our biggest challenge by far and and it's still you know it's it's still at a point where you know tenorsha is not going to be for everyone we we understand that um 
But yeah, the hardest thing for us was trying to get a level of difficulty that we thought would be both challenging and and fun, but also give you those like those you know a few frustrating moments. But then once you overcome that, it, you have that sense of accomplishment, and it felt fair. It didn't feel like the game was poorly designed. Yeah, and the the endorphin rush I get of um, finishing a level or a section. It's quite, it's quite a lot, because um, I pride <laughs> myself going, how on earth, five minutes ago, I was like, this is impossible, whoever thought this up is, an or- is a moron, uh, <laughs> or psychotic, or just masochist, I don't know what, but this is just ridiculous, no one can do this, no human being can do this, you know that, I know you've, you've, yeah, you've made levels yeah. like, we've gone too far this time, gentlemen, ladies, we've gone too far. No. Um, if if you know when if there's a level that we think has gone too far, yeah. it's like way beyond hope. You know, yeah. we, we, have to, we have to build levels that we think are sort of on the easier side yeah. for it to be challenging, and and that's something that we had we learned, you know, sort of slowly because the first set of levels we built were like impossible for anyone to play. And um, you know, and, and the good thing is we we went through early access. We were we were kind of putting out levels as they came out, getting a lot of feedback, watching a lot of streamers. And so we, we actually made the game a lot easier than it used to be. And I, I feel like now it's at a good spot. It's still hard. You know, and again, it's still not it's not going to please everyone, but we're we're definitely happier now with where it is. You can't um, please everyone. You can't. Yeah, it's a, it's impossible, right? Someone is going to find it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, you can't please everyone. Um, but just speaking on that, I wrote an article recently about aging. You have an aging gaming fan base. Yeah. I mean, really aging fan base. And it's something I spoke to Mike Biffle about in the last episode, um, or episode a couple of back. And uh, I mean, my hand to our high coordination isn't what it used to be. I'm not in my 20s yeah. anymore. I'm in my 40s. And uh, somehow, though, Tenacia doesn't seem to suffer that from that too much. Again, was that more of an accident than a deliberate thing? I, I think it was part of our learning. As we built out the levels, we learned that because it's a new mechanic, we don't have to be as punishing as, you know, a Meat Boy. Well, it, it might end up feeling as hard as a Meat Boy or maybe even harder, depending on, your, you know, how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. But... If you had to play, if you had to play Meat Boy in our levels, our levels are actually not that hard. But no. because you're using this different mechanic, you know, so we, we give you a lot of room for error, um, and obviously it tightens up as you get towards the end of the game. You know, we we do ramp it up. But yeah, we we definitely learned that you know the difficulty curve needs to be smooth. It needs to let you make mistakes early on, and then. Slowly, kind of refine your your mastery of the the mechanic. Yes. It's also why we didn't we didn't add any other mechanics to the character. So we we tried to do most you know mechanics with the level rather than giving you more things to do with the character because we want you to sort of master the two you know you've got the rocket jumping and the air dash which is the sort of secondary movement. Uh, so we wanted you to just, you know, get a hang of those two things, get better at them. The more you use them, the more comfortable you get. Twin stick controls are normally the preserve of arcade shooters. Okay, we've featured them on this show. 
How yeah. have you inserted this very precise method of firing into a platformer? How do you think you've merged those two? I think I know the answer to this question already, but you've already answered it a couple of times. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this. The whole idea that you can precisely direct where you're jumping. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's... I guess very early on when we built the prototype, we we sort of landed on this twin-stick control scheme. And a big part of it was that the angle at which you shoot or the angle at which you sort of at the rocket explodes and propels you matters a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, and even our, in our level design early on, we, we let you get away with being imprecise and then we slowly start to, you know, make you have to be a little more precise with the angle that you shoot at. Mm-hmm. So we needed this, this scheme where shooting an angle is going to be fast, responsive and, and you can do it a lot. You know, we, we actually don't really limit how fast you can do it. Um, you know, as, fa- as fast as you can flick the stick, you can shoot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a core part of the game. I, we, we wanted it to be very, you know, because if we had slowed it down a lot, it would have been a very different game. It would have probably been a more puzzly game where you're trying to figure out what to do in the level. It's never that. It's never that. This game isn't that. This is this is this is about finesse. This is about guiding the little robot fellow who's got half an eye closed. It's quite funny, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's bashed up, and but he's doing something, and uh, he's yeah, he's, he's a you know underdog guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's definitely. You, you are drawn to him because he's he's not he's not well, is he? He's he's, he's seen better days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his broken eye, you know. Yeah, yeah, but he somehow, and he's resorted to blowing himself up into, in order to project himself everywhere. So obviously, <laughs> you know, he would have thought his designers would have come up with the ability to, to jump, but no. Uh, <laughs> um, but I just find it fascinating that you're right. Ultimately, you do actually have way more control over the projection, the speed, and direction that you're jumping than any other jumping game or platform it is, it is yeah you, you have way more control but you have to you have to spend more time to attain that control yes and 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 i think in general that's part of our philosophy is we we like mechanics that you have to sort of master and learn you know i, I think rocket league is a really great example of this where you know i'm not saying we're as good as rocket league with this but um, th- their mechanics, you know, on the surface seem so simple, but once you master them, you can do so much more with the car. Yep. Um, and so that we love games like that. We love games where there's some learning involved. Um, yeah, rather than handing you on the plate. Um, but then yeah, again, some yeah. of those games do work. Depends on their context. Um, let's take, for example, I don't know, Gone Home. There's a game that doesn't really need teaching because that's doing something else. You know, um, that's telling a story. That's telling a narrative. Yeah. It doesn't want the mechanics to get in the way of that. So... Yeah. See what I mean? So they they all have their own place. Uh, Absolutely. So... Okay. So, last question. Here's the one. Well done. Um, All right. So, here it is. Um, (laughs) And it's one (laughs) I've wanted to... I've been fascinated by it because I use it so often in the game and it has saved me from disaster more than often <laughs> I, can, I can say. 
But I want to ask, where did the idea of the short booster come from? And why did it have a recharge on it? Yeah, um, so the boost or air dash is essentially, I, I guess, again, it was, it was part of our early prototype. We didn't start off with it. We started off with just this like derpy, like character rocket jumping around. Yes. And, and we realized it was fun to, you know, sort of like how a double jump is kind of fun to, Use because it lets you make a decision, right? So you have your initial decision of which direction you rocket it in, but then to be able to adjust that makes it, to, to me, it makes it more, um, I don't know, it gives you more options, it gives you more control, it also gives you some clever ways of tackling something. It does. And uh, thing, I can't make that. So actually, <laughs> if, I hit, yeah. if I hit it just at the right moment, I think I'll be able to do a wall jump, then go over the top. You probably, yeah, if you saw that, that yeah, if you watch me do that. Extra like, part in your pocket, you know, that you can yeah. pull out and be like, oh, I just, I need to change direction, or I need to stop, yeah. or I need to further my jump. Yeah, I'm about to hit that so, molten lava. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that, that, that's, uh, I mean, I'm sure when you're watching it on the streams or, or YouTube, like, he's going to do it. Gonna, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I would. <laughs> and it's, it's not a cheat. It's there. It's in the game. You're not. You're not failing. Um, I'm not sure if there is an achievement for completing levels without it. There probably is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's there's a kid who came by at PAX and was telling us that he managed to beat the first three worlds without using the dash. Wow. And I was like, wow. I don't think I could do that. No. <laughs> uh, well, it is a fantastic game. Tenacious is. is uh, Highly inventive, and uh, oh, it's um, it rewards the player's skill, which not a lot of games do that these days. And uh, I can't thank you enough for making it and releasing it to the world. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of which, speaking of which, what is it? What is it out on? Uh, it's out on Steam right now. So Steam, that's basically PC, Mac, Linux. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also planning to bring it to consoles. That's yeah. going to be. Uh, early next year, we don't we don't have a launch date or a window yet, but uh, we're currently working with both the consoles, um, Xbox One and PlayStation Four, and yeah, we're we're really excited to get it on there because that will be our first like console game. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do it now because both machines, whether you like it or not, their architecture is somewhat similar. Um, and yeah, they, they are somewhat similar. They're they're also more PC like than I would say past consoles. Yes, less custom chips uh, and stuff. They've done away with yeah. that and uh, decided to make. And then, then just both both companies are uh, to me seem really easy to talk to now. Uh, yeah, they they because it's kind of daunting when you step in as an Indian and you know if you've never dealt with console before it's you, you you have no idea what to expect you have no idea how to reach out to these companies but it, it's actually not been too bad to uh you know get in touch talk to them uh get a dev kit they've learned a lot they've learned a lot yeah last two generations and, and actually being on steam i think also helped you know it it helps to show that you can release anything on steam <laughs> or well, somewhere more to the point, and it's something I've said to developers before, and they nod vigorously, like, 
you finished the game. Yeah, you, yeah. Mate, you finished it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's more than many developers can say. Oh, it's amazing how many projects don't don't get to launch. I mean, it, it's yeah. For every game that launches, there's like hundreds that just didn't make it. Yeah, look at Blizzard. <laughs> they, they do it all the time. See that thing that worked on for seven years? Yeah, whatever. Well, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I hope no. one day I can be in that position. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah. It's odd that uh, so, yeah. I do this show. Blizzard actually comes up at one point, even volunteered by me or someone else. And, uh, <laughs> because they're weird. They're weird. And, yeah, they are. Uh, they are. But, it's you know, nice. man, they, they, when they launch something, they polish the hell out of it. They have, to the point where it's yeah. almost, you can't really see it. It's translucent. But, it becomes, like, untouchable or something, yeah. Yeah. Well, Vilas, it's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, been a fantastic. Well, thank, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed yourself. And uh, um, it's not like I okay, said, you know, beginning of the show, we before we we're recording, it's not a three-hour monster us talking about hamburgers, which you know <laughs> other shows do, but we we don't do that here. Um, we we're here to talk about the games and how they're made. And uh, so, thanks for sharing with us. Most welcome. Thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan. No apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye